so in Friday we um, had another part of the Gettys conference and uh, John Piper was one of the speakers and man wow I mean what what a gift to the church to the to the um, body of Christ and the uh, man uh, as uh, Dr. Piper and his commitment to the word and and uh, to believers and um, all I could think about was this Sunday and and our um, the passage that we're covering and and uh, he was talking about of course uh, singing uh, and and uh, worshiping uh, in times of suffering and pain and the truth is because we live in a broken and fallen world, there's always levels of suffering and pain that we're working through. Even in those reprieves and those times of where God has, has in a way lifted our heads and we've caught our breath. And, um, and, and so, and, and as he was teaching and as he was, um, just encouraging us to in different examples of of singing and and during different times of life, I started thinking about uh um i i I don't sing well matter of fact i'm a I'm really a bad i uh, i I feel sorry for my wife who has to stand beside me and listen to me, but I want to sing well. Man, and I, I, there are times that I, like when I listen to Steve play guitar or anybody that plays an instrument well, like when we were watching those ladies Friday night playing the violin, I mean, you, you, you can't, it just makes your heart explode almost. And I'm thinking, Lord, when I get to heaven, please let me, let me play an instrument and sing at the same time. And, and, you know, but as I was thinking through this, there there have been times uh, in my life uh, where I have taken the hymnal and um, before I start my quiet time, I'll pick out a hymn. And if I do nothing else but just read the words to myself, just, and I was sitting there and as Piper was was encouraging us and and challenging us. I thought, man, I I need to do that. I haven't done that in a while. I have not. And I was like, I need to do that. And as we were singing this morning, I thought, Lord, we all need to do that. So this is what I was going to share with you. If you would like to do that and you don't have a hymnal, I will. Gi- I, we've got stacks of hymnal. I will give you a hymnal. Now, don't take these. I'm not giving you permission to take, but I will give you a hymnal. And you use it for your own personal uh, quiet time, which I hope you have daily. Okay? That you spend time with the Lord daily and, and use the gift of song and singing, I mean, these hymns that we were singing today, did you read the words? How can you not be moved? How does it not move you? Um, but, so if you would like that, I, I'll, I'll go, we, up in the attic, we have cases of hymnals. I will carry them down, it, it, Every time I go up there, I bump my head on the same pole. You would think I would learn. Even if I had to bump it three or four times, I'll go get it for you. So I want to encourage you to do that. But today's message title is The Song of the Redeemed. The song that comes from the the redeemed people, His people that He saved that he did a work in and a song the song that comes from the redeemed 
And in, uh, you know, there's, uh, I've told you this, there's, there's basically three parts of Isaiah. And the first part of it is chapters 1 through 12. The second part is um, 13 through 39. And then the last part is 40 through 66. So there's three kind of sections. And it, this, this song, this, and it, it is a song that Isaiah, through the, through the Holy Spirit and giving to the people of God, this, this chapter is a song. And oh man, what a song that it is. Um, Beth was wanting a quote to put on the outline. And I said, yeah, I got a quote for you. <laughs> I said, uh, and I went and got uh, Calvin's commentary and I said, read this quote on verse 3 from Calvin. And I said, I don't know which sentence to tell you. You just pick it. Then when she brought me the outline to look at it, she typed the whole thing. She didn't even pick it. I was like, okay, I'm good with that. So... Um, this is such a great chapter. And after last week, chapter 11, it, you, with that great promise and hope that we have in chapter 11, how do you not burst forth in praise? And how do we not sing songs to our Lord? And that's what's happening in chapter 12. It's the natural response to what the work, the great work of salvation that God has done. Amen? You can't help but sing. You can't help but burst forth with praise. And so there could not be a more appropriate and heartfelt chapter um, to close out this first section than chapter 12. And what, what a gift that we have what that God has given His people in this chapter. And God, we, we have seen in these first uh, 11 chapters uh, a work that God is doing in His people. And now, it's not always a fun work. It's not always work that feels good, as, as you all know and as we've been talking about. But it's a work of salvation. It's, it's this work that He's bringing about. And it's the salvation that He's bringing about in His people. In His people. And so we see this great work and the glorious grace that He has poured out um, in, in this chapter of praise. But before we... Uh, really look at it, I, I want to read uh, these verses. Verses that you are very familiar with. Verses that probably in a lot of ways we are so familiar with, we maybe read it in um, too casually. But a verse, these verses that go along and will help explain Isaiah chapter 12. These verses that we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 3 and we're going to read to verse 6. These verses will, will help you uh, and help interpret um, Isaiah chapter 12. So let's, uh, let you follow along. I'm going to read it out loud. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasures of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace 
by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. This work that He has done. And as we have looked at in these first 11 chapters, and and adding this chapter, but the first 11 chapters, it's this work that He's... Uh, really, he's uh, telling the people, and and he's saying, "Listen, I'm, I'm going to have to discipline you." And as we know from history, in 722 BC, the Assyrians came down, and which is right around the corner from now, uh, the Assyrians came down and wiped out Israel. Remember the Northern Kingdom. Completely wiped them out. And they stopped at the banks of Jerusalem. But just a little, a hair over a hundred years later, as we will read in the next part of Isaiah, God brings the Babylonians to discipline Judah. So, in a way... When Isaiah is prophesying to the whole nation of Israel, Israel and Judah, the, the all 12 tribes, he's saying, listen, God is going to discipline you. And you're not listening. You're not, you're not hearing, heeding and hearing the voice of your God. But yet in the midst of this, Isaiah continuously says, but... He's going to always be faithful to His covenant. He's always going to keep a remnant. He's going to do His work of redemption. He's going to save His people. Um, Be on the right side. So in these 12 chapters, I kind of want to just give you a brief recap of the work of grace. Because a lot of people, when they say a work of grace, they talk about a lot of times, especially in the American church, the good stuff. But let me tell you, oftentimes the work of grace is hard. Philip and I were talking even this morning about a conversation and we were talking about praying Lord, I I want to love you more. I I want I I want to I want to grow spiritually. I want to be deeper with you. I want to do these things. And we were talking about uh, do a lot of people when they pray that do they really really know what they're praying? Because God will answer that prayer. He will whittle, whittle us down lovingly, but it, but it won't feel good a lot of the times. But we will learn to trust Him most. We will learn to love Him most. We will learn to depend on Him most. But it, it, it's not all roses. It's not all roses. So as we see these 11 chapters, let me just remind you, chapter 1 of Isaiah is God telling them point blank from the very beginning, I am tired of your empty, cold-hearted worship. I'm tired of it. Who told you? Do you remember those verses? Who's Who's told you to come do this? To come into my temple? Who's told you to keep these sacrifices? Who's... Why are you just going through the motions? Chapter 2. God is so tired of arrogance and pride. He's so sick of us knowing all the answers, having all the answers, doing... He, chapter 2. Sick of arrogance and pride. Chapter 3. Because of these, God takes away good leaders in our society. Stable leaders that lead not just God's people, but the the society as a whole. 
He takes it takes them away um, so, because when society starts breaking down, everybody's miserable. Amen. I mean, don't we feel these things? So we see that in he takes away governmental, uh, societal that, and they may not even be God fearing, but they were stable leaders. He takes that away. And it actually says, if you remember, he not only takes them away, but do you remember who he replaces them with? Children, women, and weak men. Just a, just a thought. Chapter 4, a picture of Messiah's home. What's it going to look like, this this home that he's building and preparing for his people, what's it going to look like? Chapter 5, it's a picture of spoiled grace that God has given, blessed us so much with, and, and it's just like rotten food. It's spoiled on the plate. It's left. Chapter 6, the calling of Isaiah. And in that chapter, we see how God calls a person out and and that even the best of us still are undone. Even the best of God's people are undone. Do you remember so clearly when God revealed himself to Isaiah? Do you remember Isaiah's words? Isaiah, the prophet of Israel. And he said, I'm undone. Lord. And I, I dwell amongst the people that's undone. These things that images. And then in 7, 8, 9, and 10... It talks about God disciplining, how He's going to lovingly, how He loves us, but He's going to discipline us. And then chapter 11 last week, what a, what a wonderful, awesome picture of salvation. So we get to, ver- to chapter 12, and a- as I've already said, it's only appropriate, our only reaction to this work of salvation that that we see. And that's history. This is history to us now. We can we know about this and we can and we look at this and we go, oh yeah, we know what happens and we know what's coming next. And and it's history to us, but it's part of our redemptive history. And so we see this and we see chapter twelve and the only appropriate reaction that His people, the remnant, is just praise. Lord, thank You. Thank You for Your glorious, gracious grace. Thank You for doing this in our lives. And thank You for not not leaving us to ourselves. And what will this glorious grace what will it bring when it is finished? Because, listen, as we just sang today, what God has started, He's going to finish. We just sang that. So what is it, what is it that He has started in you? And we know this, we, t- Scripture teaches us that what He has started in us, He is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Glory! We, and we know this truth. But what is it, what is it that He's bringing to a glorious end? Let me tell you. Listen. Three really simple things. A perfect people... A perfect people, a perfect state, and a perfect world. A perfect people, in a perfect kingdom, in a perfect world. 
That I'm, I'm all game. I'm in. Let, Lord, please come today, now. Okay. That's the glorious end. That's what He is going to do. How can we not praise Him? How can we not say hallelujah? Even when I said it, and I, this, is, this is actually in my notes, I wonder what they're going to say after a perfect people, perfect state, and perfect world. When I said that, y'all were like, amen. How can we not say that? How can it not come out of us? How is it not just naturally pour, pulled out of us? I've, I've shared this example to you with you so many times, but I remember the first time when Beth and I went to the Grand Canyon and we, and we went to the, we were on the South Rim and we, the very first time we walked up on that edge, my knees buckled. I was so overwhelmed with the awesome beauty. It was, and it was like God naturally pulled worship out of me. It, it just, you couldn't help but go, wow. And I shared with you that while we were there, there's like 1.5 million people that visit the Grand Canyon um, every year or might have been I don't remember, but it's a lot of people that go and visit. But as as we went there and we were around, there were people of all different uh, cultures and, and languages. But we heard over and over and over again, Oh, God. That even... Folks, and I don't, I don't know them, I'm not judging them, but they probably were not God-fearing at all. And it was just, worship was just being pulled out. You couldn't help it. That's, that's the picture of chapter 12. That's what's happening here. That, that they are hearing the prophet, they're hearing Isaiah... They're, they're understanding chapter 11, which is unbelievable. I hope y'all spent time in it last week. Because you spend time in chapter 11, you can't help but live in chapter 12. But it's this process of God doing this work in us. And this work of praise. So, I need to, to remind you of something. First is this, that Scripture teaches us that God's highest priority in our salvation, okay, God's highest priority in His people's salvation is His own glory, okay, Go back and read Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Okay? It says that in there. Okay? So His highest priority in His people, in our salvation, is His own glory. Number two. Second to that, second to our own salvation, Second to this perfection of state, this state of, of glorious salvation is us. That we, we have hope for the future. That there's, there's a look and we go, Lord, there's going to be an end of all this. That there is a second to this is that we we are going to be made like you. So the first part the, the, of our salvation, the first part, the greatest part, is for God's glory. The second part is that we have hope 
that this is going to have an end. Now listen, why I'm telling you this, because you go, yeah, I know that. We get those mixed up all the time. We long and look and think, I can't wait to be done with this. Lord, please come save me. Please come make this mess that I have made. Can you just come mop it up and let's, you know, take me on or what? And we forget, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe God is bringing us through this process of, of suffering and brokenness and growth for His glory. So maybe why God, why Jesus tarries is for Him. And we know that really is the truth because we know that when the Lord redeems that last soul, when He brings the last, last sheep, the last uh, sheep into the fold, I mean, it's... Uh, Uh, Listen, all the angels of heaven are just sitting, they're like ready. They're ready. So, let's not reverse those. Let's get to the Song of the Redeemed, chapter 12. Verse, there's six verses. So the first three verses, it's our personal praise. It's what comes out of us personally. The 4, 5, and 6 is corporate praise. What comes out of the body of Christ. When, when His people gather together, what comes out. So our personal praise and our corporate praise. Let's, let's look at this. In verse, verses 1 through uh, 3, it says this. And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He always has become my salvation. He also, I'm sorry, I said always. He also has become my salvation. Okay, here we are again. Isaiah says in that day. And he says it in this, actually this chapter, these six verses, he says it twice. But he has said it already several times in these chapters. In that day, this is what's going to happen in that day. So let's, let's remind ourselves what does in that day mean. What does it say when it says, and in that day you will say this? It's twofold. It means two things. This is what it means. It's in that day, of course, is the day that the Lord establishes His kingdom on on earth. We already know that. We've already seen that. But I want you to, if you look back at Isaiah chapter 2, verse... 2 and 3, it says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. To the God of Jacob, He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. From out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So it's it's when He brings this kingdom and establishes His kingdom on earth. But it also means, at the same time, in that day, the correction that's coming. That... In that day, when, when He brings this correction, we're also going to have praise. God, you're going to do this work. Look with me, just turn in, in my Bible, it's one page. It's uh, chapter 10, verse 5 and 6. It says this, Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger. God is saying, Assyria is my rod. 
and the staff in whose hand is my indignation. I will send him against my un, uh, ungodly nation. And against the people of my wrath, I will give him charge to seize, to spoil, to, to seize the spoil, to take the prey, and to tread them down like, a, like the mire of a street. So that's twofold. In that day, again, means that day when he establishes his kingdom on heaven, and also in the day that God brings discipline. But he, what he's saying is in that day, whichever one, my people are going to praise me. My people are going to sing a song to, of the redeemed. They are going to give me praise. So the prophet here is saying... And telling them and us that in the day of the Lord, each of the redeemed will give a personal praise for the amazing grace of salvation. That we will thank God for turning His holy wrath upon us personally and ultimately e eternally that He turned this away for us. So the picture here in these first three verses is the uh, theological word propitiation. That God has given and sacrificed and, and done a work of salvation and grace. He's done the work of propitiation to give us, pour out His grace upon us, to forgive us. What is propitiation? This is a definition. It's a sacrifice for our sins that turns away the wrath of God and thereby makes God favorable towards us. If you want to know where I got that, it, some of you have Grudem's. It's Grudem's page 575. It's, it's God's sacrifice, which is Jesus. It's this sacrifice for our sins that He has turned away the wrath of God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans 3. twenty. Oops, that's four. Twenty-five. Let's just start with twenty-three. Most of you know Romans three twenty-three. It says, "For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." Twenty-four, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse twenty-five, whom. God sent forth as a propitiation, as a sacrifice, a substitute by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because in His forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. What does that mean? That means a righteous God couldn't just say, I forgive you. There had to be a propitiation. There had to be a sacrifice, a substitute. There had to be something to take away His wrath. He, he's angry at sin. He's going to punish every sin, every act. There's, there's nothing that won't go undone. And there has to be a substitute. And Christ is our propitiation. I'm going to give you another verse. 1 John, you need to turn 1 John. Let's look at this. Lord, I hope this is the right verse. 1 John 2, if it's not, I, I don't know where to go after this. 1 John 2. Is it 2? Two? 2 2. 
Okay, here it is. John, First John two two. That you should be able to memorize that. First John two two. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the world. He's a propitiation for our sins. So, on that day, on judgment day, which even when His kingdom comes, listen, his, the next time Jesus comes back, He's not going to be a babe in the manger. He's coming back with an army. Okay? And on that day, it's going to be grim and hard. But for the redeemed, it's going to be glorious. So in that day, on that day, and from that day, and into eternity and beyond, all the redeemed in Jesus will give praise to God for our salvation. Look at verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid, believers. Amen? I'm all for that. Lord, I don't want to be afraid. You don't have to be. God is my salvation and will trust and not and I will trust and not be afraid for Yah the Lord is my strength and song he also has become my salvation Lord you're my salvation you are the one that's going to do this and because we will be able to praise him listen to this okay I wrote this down because I, I and I put a star beside it. I want you to get this. Because we as believers, if you are in Christ Jesus this day, if Christ is Lord of your life, because we will be able to praise the Lord on judgment day, we should be able to put our faith in Him now. And not be afraid. Amen? If we can stand and give Him praise on Judgment Day, what, what do you have to fear? What, what do we have to shudder over? What, what is it that can shake us? If on that day, that great day, that we, the redeemed, not by ourselves, but because Jesus is our propitiation, that we can sing and say, Glory! Hallelujah! You're coming! You're here! Thank you! If we can give Him praise on that day, what do we have to worry about today? What do you have to worry about? Who's the next president? I mean, really? What do we have to worry about tomorrow? And if, if we will be able to sing praises to Him on that day, what do we fret? I, I want to know. Is there? Philip, what about cancer? He's got it. What are the anxieties? What are the fears? What are the things that plague us? What, what is it? What is it that we have to fear? I, I think about if Lord, if you've accomplished this work in my life and you're bringing about and you're doing this work and bringing it to completion and, and I will be able to sing gloriously with the redeemed, all of the redeemed on that day, what, what should I fear? The Lord should be our strength 
for this ongoing journey, for this pilgrimage that we are on, for the rest of the way. And Isaiah goes on. If you look, and he says in verse 3, Isaiah goes on and says, not only this, but you can... There's a there's a well there's a, a spring of joy. Not only are you going to be able to sing praises, but you will be able to continue to have joy, even in the suffering. Look at this in, in verse three it says Therefore, because because of verse one and two. That's why three is starts out with therefore. So th- because of verse one and two. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells wells of salvation. Let me just, let's just have a little journey through Isaiah. Isaiah 32, 2. I wrote down a, a few verses here for us. Isaiah 32, 2. All right, this is it. Uh, I think, no, that's 33. 32, 2. A man will be as a, a hiding place from the wind and a covering from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place and as a shallow of a great rock in a weary land. Now, that, that's just one, that rivers in a dry place. But this is a good one. You need to mark this one down. 35.6. This is God, this is Isaiah telling uh, uh, Judah how God is going to help them and heal them. Then the lame shall leap like a deer. Amen. And the tongue of the dumb sing. And the waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Here's another one you're going to want to write down. Isaiah 43. This is a metaphor Isaiah uses often. 43, 19 and 20. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen people. Glory! He's going to do this. 44, 44 verse 3 and 4. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the waterways. Mm. This, this picture that he has... You mean to tell you what it's a picture of? We got to go to the Gospel of John. You know, you know what this is. This is the same thing Jesus, what Isaiah is saying to the people about this spring and the wells of joy that will come in salvation. Do you know what it's pointing? It's the same thing Jesus said to the woman at the well. Look at this. Chapter 4, John chapter 4, let's just, let's read 13. And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up unto everlasting life. Glory! Let me give you one more. John chapter 7. John chapter 7. 
This, you, you remember this. You remember us going through the Gospel of John. You remember when I told you that there was a, a water, uh, a libation, and, and a offering, a water offering that, God, that Jesus brought out in the temple in front of everybody, and He poured it out, and He used it as an illustration. Listen again to what He says. Now, this time it wasn't just to one person at the well. It was to all of those who came and worshipped. Listen to what he said, verse uh, 37 and 38. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Glory! Lord, this is, this is where I want to live. Lord, I want to have this continuous praise come upon my lips. The, the continuous giving you thanks and being grateful for what you're doing, Lord. I want even in the suffering and the hardships of life. Listen to me, believer. These first three verses... This is only for the believer. You ready? Drink. Drink from the well of Jesus. And drink deeply. And often. And go to the well over and over and over again. Drink. Drink. When you're, when you're broken in the middle of the night and you are wondering what to do next, go drink. When you're worried about your kids and broken, go drink. When we're worried about what is going to happen, go drink. When we are consumed with the things of this world, go drink from the well. Just go to the well. And drink. 4, 5, and 6 is very quick. Corporate praise. Corporate praise. When God does a great work, we can't help but personally praise Him. But we can't help wanting to praise Him corporately either. We want to be around the redeemed. 4, 5, and 6 says this, And in that day you will say, that's the second time he said, in that day, we need to know. Here it is. Praise the Lord. Call upon His name. Declare His deeds among the peoples. Make mention that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord. For He has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out. And shout, O inhabitant of, it, of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel. Listen, in your midst. Here it is. The rest, these rest of the verses describe what we should be doing for the rest of our lives on earth. Very simply, it, it tells us three things in here. We need to give thanks to the Lord continuously. We need to proclaim His name among the nations. That means amongst all people. And thirdly, we need to celebrate His deeds among the people. You know what? We need to give praise for Leanna. And the answer prayer that God, what God did in John and Destiny's little girl. Amen? I guarantee you, John and Destiny, when they heard the news, John, were you floating? I bet you praised the Lord then. Amen? Let's praise Him together. God, thank you for doing this. 
Nobody's come to Leon's door to take him off for questioning. Lord, praise the Lord! I don't know if y'all got to read the newspaper, Jackson County Times of Owen. Did y'all read it? Well, I've got it. Philip sent me, he sent me a, a text of it. And Diane brought me the paper. And it's in there. I tell you, as I was reading it, I was like, God, thank you. You're sovereign. You're holy. Celebrate His deeds among, amongst the people. Give thanks to the Lord in all things. Proclaim His name to all the nations. And celebrate what God has done. Say it out loud. God saved my son from cancer. He did it. The last line, do you remember the last line in that article, Philip? What was it? If I had a mic, I would drop it. Right? Say it. And he even tells us how to do it. And it's really simple. This is how he says to do it. Don't be silent about it. That's it. So he says, this is what you need to do. Give thanks to me in all things. Proclaim his name to everybody, all nations, and celebrate his deeds amongst the people. And then he says, do it loudly. Listen to how he describes it. He says, do it in singing. Do it in crying. John, did you cry? Do it in crying. And it also says, do it in shouting. But I want you to see verse 6. Because you know the only people that can do this are the citizens of Zion. That's the only people that can do it. The redeemed. That's the only people that can sing this song is the redeemed. Isn't that glorious? The citizens of Zion. And do you know why the citizens of Zion? It says it in the very last part. Do you know why the citizens of Zion can sing this song? Because God is in their midst. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so right. But why do we struggle? We get a little uncomfortable. We get a, things get a little hard. We struggle a little bit. And boy, we whine like babies. So in closing, I want to share this with you. These are closing thoughts. This chapter, chapter 12, is a gift. A song for you and I to sing. But really, it's a reminder for us to praise our God for His great grace in, in our lives. How He has poured out His love and compassion for us and how He has disciplined us and how He has worked in our lives and but He has not turned us over to His wrath. That's one. Point number one. Point number two is this. It's a call. It's a call to you and I.
to fill our hearts with praise and thanksgiving and to find and learn. Listen, believer. Listen, to believer, to me. To learn how to praise Him in everything. Let's learn how to be these types of people. Citizens of Zion. Let's learn how to give Him thanks. Let's learn how to give Him everything. And let's don't touch His grace. Let's don't try to take some credit. Let's, let's, let's be reverent about this and go, Lord, You've done this. Let's, let's take the I out of it. Look what I did. Or what I've accomplished. Let's, let's learn how to have hearts filled with praise and thanksgiving in every moment and every event in life. Three. Three. It is also a call for us to passionately, passionately, I'm going to let you define that word, but passionately engage in declaring to the world the greatness of our God. And finally, finally, Um, it is a promise of, of future grace. And this is all I'm going to say about this. I've already touched on it. If this is true about you, if God has genuinely redeemed you, if you are genuinely a believer, and we can stand and say, Lord, when you come, I'm, I'm going to sing this song with everybody else. Then you should have grace. Future, We should be able to say, man, I can't wait for what you're going to do in my life in the future. If you've done this work in my life, you're not going to just leave me here. You're going to carry me to the end. That's future grace. What He has started in us, He's going to finish. That's, that's a glorious truth. But we forget that sometimes, don't we? We get faint. I mean, we all do it. I do it. We get faint-hearted. We, we look at troubles and trials that our kids are going through, that our friends, our loved ones, our family, and we get lost in things. And we forget about the grace that He is going to continue to do to the very end. For our benediction, I'm going to read, I want to read up two verses to you. That this week I've been praying for me because I... I get lost in the worries of this world. I get lost, and I'll tell you, one of the biggest burdens in my life is the shape that the Church of America is in. It, it hurts. It kills me. And I worry about you guys. What kind of spiritual shape are we in? Really, what kind of shape are our homes in? Is our marriages? What kind of shape are our children in? And so it's, it's easy to get, get our eyes off the things that we need. And, and I've been praying this verse. And I thought, Lord, I'm going to read this as a benediction and as a closing for us. Psalm 94, 18 and 19 says this. If I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. And in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you for this word, for this song. And help us as your people to learn to sing this song. To learn to do this. To learn to live in a broken world. And in a world, in a lot of ways, Lord, as we look around, it seems that people have just, they haven't just forgotten you. They don't care anything about you. Lord, as we look around us and as the world beats against us, help us, Lord, to hold on to You. With nothing in our hands we bring, simply to the cross we cling. We have nothing to bring You, Lord. We have not earned anything. All we have is Jesus. Help us to sing this song of the redeemed. No matter what's going on around us, no matter how the waves are crashing against us, Lord, may we trust You most. May we love You most. May we live for You most. Please, Lord, do this in our lives, in the the marriages here in the husbands, in the wives, in the families, Lord, in the children. Lord, do this work, please. Please, Lord. And Lord, yeah, we we know what that prayer means. That you have a lot of whittling to do. You do that which brings you the most glory, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.